On this episode, we talk about using the Surface Book after two months, the Surface Phone, and why I was in London. Cool. So today is, wow, today is December 4th, and this is the Sam's Report. And what <laughs> what a crazy week has it been for me personally. Um, the world of Microsoft has been, um, I shouldn't say dull. There have been fewer announcements this week, but that's, again, not too big of a surprise here. We are now into kind of like the post-holiday hangover where Microsoft is just pushing out sales. They're pushing out um, just kind of regurgitated content uh, through the means of promotions and just try to raise general awareness about their products, the Surface Pro 4, the Surface Book, uh, Windows 10, obviously, and all those good things. But we're not going to see a whole bunch in the way of exciting new hardware and that kind of stuff because, hey, all those cards have been played. They want you to come buy their stuff. But there have been some announcements this week, and actually because I took the week off last week, I really want to touch on some stuff that happened last week, um, especially around the test-driven design approach that Microsoft has implemented that has really kind of changed up the game, and the post did exceptionally well. And I got a lot of good feedback and a lot of commentary about it that I just kind of want to talk through here. So this is uh, the first show after about a nice two little week break. Hopefully everybody had a great Thanksgiving and are getting prepared for the holidays coming up, whether no matter what you um, celebrate, I hope they're great. And I hope you enjoy what we are now into the slow season of Microsoft. Although it will ramp up here, at least in the world of products a little bit, because as we get closer to um, CES that takes place in early January, things will kind of pick back up and a big wave. And I'm sure we'll start to see uh, some hardware leaks, not so much from Microsoft, but from uh, their their partners, you know, Samsung and Toshiba and all of those good guys. So what was I doing this last week? If you were following along a little bit, I went to actually, I stepped outside the Microsoft, like pure Microsoft box for a little bit here and went to Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And this is their first event post separation. So they're really big and calling it HPE. If you call it HP, they get really upset um, as I learned on several occasions. But I went to HPE's event to kind of see what was going on in their world. I knew that they were going to announce some Microsoft stuff, which I'll talk about here in a second. And um, it took place in London. So I woke up at about 3 a.m. this morning. I got back late last night. And um, I'm actually doing pretty good right now. But I'm sure I'll be going to bed early. So what what happened at HPE's event? Um, First off, uh, just a couple observations. There were a ton of Surface Pro 4s at this event. Now, I believe HPE had bought some of them to bring. But I counted um, somewhere around a dozen or so, which doesn't sound like a lot, but Microsoft Surface Pro 3, while it did do well and it took time, but I never really saw them in volume in trade show events, as you want to, for whatever you want to call it. But the Pro 4, man, the Pro 4 was all over this place. And I guarantee there are probably more than the 12 I counted, but it was on the third day and I was just like, hey, let's just take a quick count and I just looked around the showroom floor just did a quick walk and there were at least 12 of them being used actively uh, which was kind of neat and I mean considering these things are brand new and that there's also a lot of pent-up demand especially because out in Europe which we can talk about here in a second about the surface book I was quite surprised to see that many actually out in the wild already and the reason why I'm kind of surprised here is <laughs> when I brought the surface book out everyone's like "Ooh," because it's not available there and they all wanted to, you know, touch it and play with it. And I had a good time showing it off and doing demonstrations and whatnot. Um, 
but it was just kind of neat to see that Microsoft's hardware, it really is making penetration. Other thing I did see, I did see one. I saw one, and I tweeted about this many, many times. I saw one person with an iPad Pro and that stupid felt keyboard, and I don't want to turn this into another iPad Pro rant, but I was watching this person, and they were kind of following the group around that I was partaking with, um, and they were... <laughs> I really felt bad for this person because it felt like they were struggling because they were trying to write notes, they were trying to browse the web, and they were also trying to use Twitter, which three apps at the same time on the iPad Pro is not possible. And so it was just watching this person use it, not to mention there's no mouse, um, and they didn't have the pencil either, so they only spent, what was it, like 900 and something dollars on this. It just felt bad because they were constantly jumping between things. They couldn't, they couldn't get everything up on the screen that they wanted. It just, I, I don't understand this product, and I really don't. Um, I'm going to end it there, but I saw the iPad Pro in person. I saw people using it, or a person, a single person. <clears throat> and it was befuddling that you would spend that much money on something that is that limited functionality. I, through conversations with some other people, iOS works well on the smaller the screen it is. So like a four inch, five inch, six inch phone works fine. iPad, it works all right. As soon as you get into like that PC class size device, the, the icons, the icons you tap on, they are so far apart, you could fit another app icon in between them. I, I don't understand, anyways. Saw the iPad Pro, saw people using it, a person using it, still not sold on it, still do not understand it, and voila, here we are. So, pretty cool. A uh, couple, the big announcement, the reason why I wanted to go to HPE's event, Direction 2, um, is actually that they announced a deal with Microsoft. Uh, previously, if you're thinking, hey, HPE already announced a deal with Microsoft. Nope, this is a new one, and it's actually very good for Microsoft's cloud platform. What they announced, and it's very similar to the Dell event, is that all new HPE hardware that is on the server side, so they're big, you know, $100,000, $75,000, $100,000 rack-mounted servers, are going to ship with native support for tying into Azure. What this means is that every piece of hardware that comes out of HP now, HPE now is going to work with Microsoft's cloud platform. So any company that is in the HPE world, which there are quite a few of, there were 10,000 people or so at this event, any company that is running the HPE stack now has a native pipeline once they start buying new hardware into Azure, not AWC, not Google's cloud, not nobody else's cloud. This is a native connection into Azure. This is really big stuff because currently the biggest spend in IT is still on-prem. I know Microsoft likes to tell that the cloud is everything and it's the fastest growing or whatever, but native hardware, on-prem hardware is still the significant bulk of IT spend. and. With the next generation coming out, HPE announced a new server called Synergy. It's all gonna work with Azure. It's all gonna tie in and it's gonna be Microsoft's kind of future hook that they just established by making this connection with HPE. It is really gonna drive Azure's growth into the future. So that was really cool to see. Um, it was good to get outside of the world of Microsoft bubble. And surprisingly, there are HPE fanboys. <laughs> like, people were like arguing with me about certain things about cloud and on-prem and I'm, like a, I had no idea that there were people that passionate outside of HPE that were HPE fanboys. So there you go. Whoa, that's what I was doing in London. Um, they had a lot of cool stuff there. Microsoft, the Surface Hub was there. Still not talking about when it's shipping other than January. But um, they had a lot of neat setups and networking stuff and enterprise-grade stuff. But cool. 
that's why I was in London. Quite a few people were asking, and there you go. I'm actually going to have another post coming up here soon. It sounds kind of boring, but it was really cool. It's um, conference rooms suck at the moment. If you live work in a corporate environment, co conference rooms suck. And company, a lot of companies, Microsoft, HP, um, another one called Robin, are all trying to make it better. And I just saw a bunch of different demos about how you can make your conference room not suck. So I wrote it up. It'll go live next week. It's kind of fun. But anyways, getting away from HPE stuff here, we've got uh, Microsoft released documentation to show developers how to port their apps from Islandwood to Windows 10. Not Astoria. Um, we kind of hammered home why Astoria... Um, <laughs> so, hold on, I'll get to what somebody just asked. Uh, we hammered home why Astoria is not the path forward, why it's quote-unquote dead or shelved or whatever you want to call it, because Islandwood makes sense. You have all your iOS apps Android apps, always, any good Android app also has an iOS kind of part. They figured out the iOS path is working better. So there you go. Um, anyways, they put out documentation that further solidifies that yes, this is the path forward. This is the preferred solution. If you're gonna bring your app from another platform, specifically probably iOS, uh, to Windows 10, this is how you do it, which is a good thing. It's a really, really good thing. So Microsoft is becoming more clear they put out documentation, they held off uh, any kind of like, you know, chopping of commenters or writers or whatever you want to call it saying, hey, as Islandwood, no, Islandwood is, is alive, running, it's Microsoft's preferred path. That's kind of, I think, the story from here on out, and I'm sure we'll hear more from the company about that. Um, Benjamin asked in the comment, he said, how's the new Intel driver working for you? If my device crashes now, it's your fault. But so far, I ran the update um, early this morning, and it has not crashed once yet. If this is the if this is the fix <laughs> that makes my Intel driver not crash, this will be this will reduce probably forty percent of my complaints with Windows Ten, and I'm dead serious about forty percent of them. Uh, the other about thirty to forty percent are the fact that I still have issues with my Mail app, and then there's just some random variances of the Start menu not opening and whatnot. But if this Intel driver is fixed, I will be incredibly happy. So let's let's hope that they got message through after all the tweeting um, so as of right now no news is good news I I'm waiting for it to crash spectacularly and it has not so this is this is really really good stuff and as Max points out um, so the surface book is like a new device now with that driver yeah <laughs> it, it's much more stable and I'm gonna get to that here in a second because there's a there's a key date coming up but I want to say so Islandwood we're good um, you know Moving along. So what else is going on? Uh, Microsoft released the Visual Studio 2015 Update 1. Push it out. Although I did see uh, one of the guys behind the VLC app push the update out and then it froze his machine several times. So I don't quite know enough about it. Just be cautious if you are going to roll that out. Search around um, for updates or commentary about the updates to make sure it's stable before you push it to a product production machine. But it is out there and live. Other cool things that happened this week, and by cool things, I mean misinformation written around the web. So Microsoft kind of, they didn't kind of, they, they pushed out uh, their updated lifecycle information for Windows 10 Mobile. They do this every time they release software, and it lists a date of 2018. You can probably kind of guess where this is going to go. And then people start writing up, oh, Windows 10 Mobile is dead in 2018. No, that is completely not the case. That is not, not the case at all. This is not how this works. Windows as a service is Microsoft's continuous update mechanism. And when they push a large update out, uh, 
they will announce a new end-of-life time. Think about Windows 8. Windows 8 had, has an end-of-life date, and so does Windows 8.1. It has this, it's a later um, end-of-life date. This is going to be the same thing for Windows 10 Mobile. So anybody who writes or wrote up that at in 2018 Windows 10 Mobile is dead, they are incorrect. That specific iteration of Windows 10 Mobile will no longer be supported, but Windows 10 Mobile, I guarantee I will eat a hat if in 2018 there isn't a version of uh, Windows 10 Mobile that works. That, or I should say is supported. That's uh, just kind of some misinformation that's been floating around. Also, recently I tweeted out and put a disclaimer on it, um, some renders of a Lumia 830 also just prop ah, propped up, cropped up, jumped up, whatever you want to call it today. There's some, they look like official renders. Um, they look like the typical PR stuff that gets leaked ahead of time. But word on the street is that that's not, that phone's not really going to happen. So let's, let's just get real here for a minute about Windows 10 Mobile. Um, Windows 10 Mobile is in a bad place, internally, externally, in the markets. And I don't want to be like jumping on the hate train like everybody else seems to be, but oh, sorry, I meant 850 on the podcast, not um, 830. If I said the 830, it's because I'm looking at it because I like that phone. Um, and I like this phone. I really want an 850, but I'm not quite sure that 850 is actually going to be built. Um, what Microsoft all has cut lately is still a bit unclear, but they did chop, I mean, they, they gutted almost essentially all the assets that they bought, they even wrote them down. So, anywho, I'm really concerned about the Windows 10 Mobile crowd, because it's, the 950 is good, this is a good phone, but it's only as good as the ecosystem that supports it, which, as we all know, is still an ongoing issue. And it's not that it's... I'm trying to beat the same drum here. It's that Microsoft has not given us a clear path about how they're going to get out of this rut. They're initially said Astoria and Islandwood. We all know that Astoria got um, set down or <laughs> put down to rest. So now we have Islandwood. And so is the future of Windows 10 Mobile Islandwood? Is that what everything is basing it on? Because they, they're still struggling in the app environment. Um, they're really struggling, at least in the U.S., in the retail spot. I'm a Verizon user. I know it's people like Mary Jo Foley are Verizon. I'm not going to switch to AT&T to switch phones. I'm, I'm, I like Verizon. It works well for my family. It works well for me. I, I generally tend to support things that work well for me. And so I worry about Microsoft's strategy here. If they're just kind of just limping along and that is their strategy because they know it's a loss, a lost cause at this point but other than the hardcore fans I can't it's hard to recommend a Windows 10 mobile device if you put at the same price point an iPhone 6 or 6s whatever the heck you want right next to it or a Samsung Galaxy S6 right next to the Lumia 950 the value prop of a Windows phone at this current time is not exceptional to surpass that of an iPhone or an Android and it, it's really disappointing because I kind of came to this conclusion when I was in actually HP World and I showed off this phone and they all said, why should I buy it? And I said, well, it's got a good camera. And then they said, well, yeah, my S6 has a fantastic camera. Let's show you. Let's sh they know we, we tried them side by side. And I said, well, it's got Continuum. Um, and they said, that's great. Continuum is probably about five years from being super useful, which I tend to agree, three to five years for Continuum. And it will actually be a very viable solution uh, for your smartphone. 
So is that what is that is that where Windows 10 Mobile is? Is five to three to five years away? Maybe. And then there's no apps, um, none whatsoever. That every every app on Windows 10, um, other than the native apps, and even some of the native apps aren't as good as what Microsoft has built for other platforms. And this is all beating the same story. It's a good phone, but it's not an exceptional phone to get people to jump from platform to platform. And it's, um, yeah. So anyways, talking, just kind of keep that in mind when you recommend the phone to somebody. Just think about what they truly need it for. Like I, I, I use my parents as a base test. I can recommend an iPhone or an Android phone to them. I would hesitate to recommend it. A Windows phone because my parents use Facebook and it's not as good of a Facebook experience. And my parent, my mother uses um, Pinterest and, and, and Pinterest on Windows 10 it's just not as good and that's really frustrating this far down the line. And I guess we gotta wait and see how quickly Islandwood um, is adopted or used or is it just gonna be another failed effort because that would fall in line. If it's a failed effort, it, it falls in lines with Microsoft built offering to build the app such as Instagram beta, they built that. Um, it would go along the same lines as paying um, users or paying vendors to build apps like they paid Candy Crush essentially or they struck a deal with Candy Crush probably to be preloaded. Um, so they, they offered to build, they threw money at it, it, neither option worked. Which leads me to my next point which I find absolutely hilarious. So Steve Ballmer at the uh, shareholder meeting, and if, you don't, if you're unaware, Steve Ballmer is the largest shareholder of Microsoft stock. He actually brought up the mobile situation and just talked about how it wasn't great very quickly, briefly, and whatnot, um, among other things. He doesn't like, among other things, meaning he doesn't like how the company is reporting hardware. He doesn't like how the company is reporting margins and certain things. They're using run rate instead of actual quarter performance. And run rate, if you're not familiar, is an estimation for the entire year. So they, let's say Q1, they have a run rate of, let's just say, 500 million, uh, or Let's just say they have a they have a an expense base or an, a revenue base, sorry, of a hundred million. They would do that as a run rate of four hundred million. They just multiply by how many quarters. He's like, that's not how you should do this stuff. Um, anyways, he commented on the mobile stuff, and I was just waiting for them to snap and say, Steve, we are in this mobile situation because of you. But obviously, being on the board and being an executive, you can't just lash out at your former CEO. You want to show that everybody's still friends, but it's good to see the bomber still is passionate and wants things to go on. But hey, the mobile situation is what it is. Nadella's doing everything he can, and he's got a tough place to be. He's between a rock and a really expensive product. So, other things that happened this week. HoloLens. HoloLens. One of probably one of the hottest topics at Microsoft or potentially, I would say maybe in the industry, maybe not across the entire industry, but it's a very hot topic and very hot product that Microsoft has that is generating a lot of excitement is getting some more kind of unofficial press. So what Microsoft appears to have done is they're now letting em employees who work on the product take it home. And they're not just letting them take them home, they're actually letting them show off video of it. Now, they're only showing off video of playing um, of using it, not the external hardware, although I think we've all had a pretty good look at the external hardware by now. And you can actually go on to Throt. I wrote this up while I was in London because uh, I saw it and I was like, hey Paul, I'm going to write this up. And there's a couple different things you can see. One is Xbox streaming. You can watch somebody play um, Halo 5 from their Xbox One, stream it to the HoloLens, and there you go. You can actually see how well it works. There's also Candy Crush. Uh, more importantly, one of the new things we had never seen was 
Edge, you can get a little glimpse of the Edge browser. Um, they were using it, I believe, to stream Netflix. And yeah, so there's a couple things to keep in mind here. One, the awesome part is this was all, according to the people who uploaded the videos, recorded directly on the HoloLens. So it's recording everything, which means it's what's packed under the hood is modestly powerful enough to record everything. I believe it was done in 720p. So it's not like some real grainy footage and whatnot. Um, they did a pretty good job of building in recording capabilities into this. So that's kind of a first experience type thing. The other thing is you need to be aware of is that um, the point of view, the field of view is still not perfect. It's not even actually close. Um, it, it, it looks just like every other demo you've seen where it's fully immersive and even though it's recorded on the device it, it still doesn't put artificially put in the uh, field of view problems that come along so just keep that in mind that when you're watching this stuff that yeah it's great and it is pretty cool I, I do highly recommend you watch it because it is uh, it's cool like no matter even Field of view issues aside, cost that it, these things are 3,000 bucks for the developer kit. We don't know what the consumer price is going to be. Aside, it's still really freaking cool. And where they're going with this thing is amazing. Oh, God, you know what would be sweet, too? Is once you can hook up HoloLens to your Lumia 950 uh, and power continuum through the HoloLens. Now, that, that would be an interesting scenario. I'm sure they'll get there someday. I'm not quite sure what they have in mind, but that um, would actually be really, really interesting to see if that could be done. Actually, I bet it could be done wirelessly too. Ooh, maybe that's where they're going with it. And we just gotta wait for the vision materialize. Hopefully it doesn't take too long to materialize, um, but maybe that's where they're going. So check that out, it's up on Throt. Um, other things that we need to discuss. So starting on Monday, I will have had my Surface Book for two months. Two months is a long time. It's a it's a long enough time to really understand a product. And I'm gonna probably write something up here on Petri about it, but I really like the Surface Book. Um, despite the issues, the biggest issue, which I just noted, the Intel driver, yes, thank you Intel, appears to be fixed, which makes it that much better. So I, I really do like the Surface Book. It is getting better, I took it for a week to Europe. I had no other options. I didn't take a backup machine. I didn't take anything else. I just took the Surface Book. The biggest issue I have with the Surface Book, and this is also an issue on the Surface Pro 4, is you can't put it to sleep. Otherwise, the back gets really hot, which is really freaking frustrating, so I had to shut it down every time. Um, other than that, I love the keypad. I love the trackpad. I love the responsiveness. It's a good machine. I quite like it, and it is by far um, going to be my daily driver. I'm putting the Dell XPS 13, which I love, not to bed, but on the shelf to become a demo machine for new builds and leaked builds and all that kind of good stuff. So Surface Book, two months in, really dig it, really good job, Intel driver fixed. Let's get that sleep issue fixed, Microsoft, so it can actually put the device to sleep without worrying about it turning into a portable thermos that would melt an igloo, and life will be good after that. But two months in, really good, which when I was in Europe talking to other people saying who couldn't buy one. They kept saying, well, would you buy one? Would you buy one? I said, here, you know, here's what you need to know. The Intel driver, which at the time was not fixed, is the problem, but that's software, and so is closing the lid. Uh, that's a software issue. But by the time that thing comes available, which I believe is sometime in the like middle of spring, I want to say April-ish, 
for those who are in Europe, I want to say that's that was the last date I had heard. I still don't have a definitive date, but around April-ish. Uh, I would imagine all the software kinks should be worked out. They should be. And if they're not, then we're going to have another issue on hand. But by the time that arrives, and just like I told them, I said once it gets here, it's going to be even better. It, everything about the hardware of the device is fine for me. I, I don't have any major issues with the hardware. It's just software, which is fantastic. It's driver and firmware related, which Microsoft is supposed to be good at, but as we'll talk here in a second, has been a choke point lately. So, Surface Book, two months in, love it. Even better, probably more so than when I first got it. So, there we go. So, let's, uh, I wanna talk about something Microsoft did a while back. When Nadella took over, he laid off a bunch of people from the Nokia division, they laid off some test engineers, and they changed the philosophy of how they are coding. They used to have, uh, per people who had told me, especially some who got very violent about it, or passionate about it, they were one code engineer to roughly one test engineer, which meant a person would code, and then somebody would run tests on it, um, scenario-driven tests, and then the code would go out. And so that would be the feedback mechanism. So what Microsoft has done is changed it that the engineer who is coding is now responsible for test. It's called test-driven design. And what this means is that when you code something, you are responsible for the bugs too. And you're responsible for testing it. Essentially, that's the short of it. You're responsible for testing your own code, which it's not that they weren't testing it before, but they're expected to test it fully and thoroughly before pushing it into production. So here's the problem this creates. I talked to a couple different people about this. So if you had been at Microsoft for, let's just say you're a 10, 10 year vet and you are still coding because that's what you like to do and that's the career path that you chose. Overnight, the company went from saying, hey, these people are gonna help you test to now you are fully responsible for it. Here's their test that they did and good luck. As you can imagine, just that shift overnight is very tough because not only now, and this is the reason why they can ship, they can ship code faster, is that those engineers now have to plan for coding and then testing all within the same time window. So it's, and if anybody who's ever written a document, you hate proofreading, can you imagine proofreading your own code essentially? It's not nearly as much fun without having that proper third party or third set of eyes look at it, or second set of eyes, I should say. And so that's the super high level change and I wrote up on Petri that this process is beginning to show its cracks. We saw a lot of bugs within Windows 10. We saw a lot of bugs. Um, I still have this issue with the login screen where it doesn't take up the full window. I had the issues with the mail app, um, occasional issues with the start menu not opening. And the end result is that there was just more buggy code than traditional getting into a second update. And I waited until Microsoft pushed out their fall update because I didn't think it was fair to write that it was not working after the initial update because any, or the initial release, any new OS is gonna be buggy, but they, they're positioning this November release as a pretty substantial update, and the code was still not to where I thought it should be um, in terms of stability, and the issues are very well known. Why no? Specifically, such as shutting the lid on the Surface Book. This is your premium hardware. This is your, this is your masterpiece that you are showing off Windows 10, and I cannot close the lid and walk away because every single time it gets super hot. And I've already turned off the hello sensor and I've already tried a number of different things, but I cannot get it to actually work. So there you go. That's the test-driven design that they've switched to, and it's gonna take some time for them to work out. For newer engineers, it's not so big of a deal. They just have to learn how to work with it. For those aging engineers, they need to adapt and plow through. 
but it is a different way of coding and it's a different way for Microsoft to operate. And it's just something you need to be aware of about that likely explains why Windows 10 has not been as rock solid as I think many people think it would be. Or Edge, for example. Edge is really driving me nuts. Um, actually, so much so that I fully dropped Edge. I, it crashed on me a couple times. I've lost a couple posts. I'm actually using Firefox now. Um, I, I don't like to use Chrome. Chrome's more resource heavy than I think Firefox. And this is on a desktop. Um, I, let, I try to use Edge on a laptop as much as I can just because it's generally better on the battery, if you aren't aware of that. But on my desktop, I'm all Firefox now. I haven't had a crash yet, and it works quite well, along with this new Intel driver. I've got a nice stable machine, but it's unfortunate that Edge is not where it should be for this time. So I don't like being all negative. Windows 10 is doing well. It's being adopted pretty quick. Microsoft is going to make it easier to push it out, especially starting next year. Uh, I need to dig up the numbers, actually. I'm curious about how many people. Last number Microsoft gave was 110. I know it's well over that. I mean, heck, they pushed... Oh, you can't see my Xbox One. They pushed it all out to the Xbox One. They are starting to push it out to phones, so we all know it's going to be higher than 110 million. But it's on the way. It's doing well. We're going to start hearing a lot more about Redstone soon. I'm hoping that Gabe is going to push out a build here in the near future. I'm not quite too sure how soon, but they are preparing for it. I mean, the, all the mechanisms are in place. But I want to talk about going back to phone here. So my friend Dan, Dan Rubino, uh, wrote up while I was gone that the Surface phone is alive and the Surface phone is dead. So not quite that. So there was a metal version of a Windows phone that I believe had the x86 chip run by Nokia that he is saying is dead. Um, I had never heard of this phone, and I don't know. I, I don't, I'd never heard of that phone. And he's saying the Surface phone is still alive and it's going to potentially run Win32 apps, but he's not so sure it's going to um, run Intel Silicon underneath. I don't know. He, the only thing, here's what the sum of the TLDR of that post was. There is a Surface phone and it's codenamed or jokingly codenamed Panos phone for Panos Panay. And that's about all we know right now. It's coming. It's going to be the hero device of Windows 10 Mobile when it arrives, which he pegged August, and I cautioned him, and I think he took my tweet the wrong way. So Microsoft generally has two months where they aim to start production. August and May. I was I was getting March and May. Oh, no, sorry. It is March. March and August. Reason for that is you think about when their hardware launches. They go for an October launch. They need to ramp up um, a couple months in advance. It's generally two months. It's generally two months is how long before they start doing it. And he wrote that for an August release. And I don't think the August release date would make sense. They would push it for an October-ish release, but they would start production around the August time frame for a new device. And this is how they've operated in the past. And this is how I would expect them to operate going forward. Um, hearing launch dates this far in advance is, is never accurate, which is why I tend to believe that's their target for manufacturing. Getting a manufacturing date and getting a a product release date are two totally different things. Product release date is pure marketing. Marketing can go choose Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, but the product has to be done and built for that launch, which means they have a very hard time, uh, hard timeline of when they have to enter production so that they have test because it goes production, they do initial test run, they test the hell out of those devices to make sure that there's no faults, otherwise you end up with the original Xbox in the red ring of death. And then you push it out and blah, blah, blah. I can go really deep into the manufacturing sector, but that seems completely irrelevant for this podcast. So look for that in about a year, maybe a little bit less. Um, I don't know if we'll see it in the spring. I'm not quite sure if Microsoft is actually going to go to a, a multi-device, multi-year launch. 
What would be interesting is that if they're going to launch a lower end spec device is if they did it alongside the Surface 4. Uh, think about that. So the Surface 3 came out in the spring of 2015. It would make sense that if they launched a Surface Pro, Surface 4, um, that it would come in the spring of, yeah, in the spring of 2016. Just trying to run through the math here on my head about what I've heard so far. And then you do a lower end phone and make that your low end shipping time. And then the high end stuff comes around Christmas. It would be kind of a long, a little long in the tooth for the Surface 3 if um, if they waited. So, if they waited until the spring. Oh, so there is that. So, I want to bring attention to something that came up on Indiegogo. It's called the Sync Phone, and it's a bunch of crap. So, it's called Uniting the PC and Smartphone. It's got an Atom chip, up to 8 gigs of RAM, and it is all BS. So if you Google this phone or Bing it or whatever the heck you want to do, you can see this thing and it is complete vaporware. Um, I'm pretty sure the company is just trying to raise money and will never build this thing. I will be pleasantly surprised if they don't, but they don't actually show any physical product. They just show rendering. And if you're familiar with Kickstarters that offer too much and fail to deliver, this falls right into that case. They are offering up the Mac Daddy of smartphones from a company you have never heard of, from a team that has no experience, and they want $750,000 to build this. You can't build that type of a phone through R&D, through production, for $750,000. It's not possible. I, there's no way they can raise that money and turn out the phone that they actually are saying they're going to sell. And it comes with a stylus, too, and a high-resolution display, and an Intel chip, and it runs full Windows 10, and it's not happening. Do not give them your money. You will be sorely disappointed. Whew, with that, one of the... Something is coming to Xbox that I'm super excited about. It's actually on the PlayStation 4 right now, and it is coming to Xbox One in February. I wish it wasn't February, but I've got enough games to play, so maybe that's a good thing. But if you are not familiar with Rocket League, Rocket League is this race car type game, but you play soccer, or for my European friends, they play football. And it's like, it's a remote control game where you control these cars and you do crazy flips and stuff and you're in a locked arena and you play soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. And it is crazy. It has gathered a massive following on the PC and PlayStation 4. Um, I believe they're actually starting to hold professional tournaments for it. And it, the game is just exploding. It is exploding in popularity. And I'm very, very happy that this game is coming to the Xbox One. And speaking of the Xbox One... Microsoft and Sony and everybody else are doing everything they can to get you to buy their stuff. If you are in the market for buying either a PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, I would caution towards the Xbox One. Personal bias, I like it, runs Windows 10, you can play with me, is that this is the best time of the year to buy them. Uh, I, I believe this firmly. You can get the best deals. You can get, I believe, the console starting at $299 on the correct Black Friday days. If not, you can get a boatload of free games. If you're going to buy one, buy one now. I'd also recommend the Xbox One Elite controller, but that's not really a necessary day one purchase. But the Xbox One, hell of a deal is going on right now. Just look at your favorite vendor and you will find one and everything else. So that has roughly been about two weeks of the world of Microsoft. And I suspect that this next couple weeks are not gonna be great. Uh, it's gonna be pretty quiet along the Microsoft front other than sales and everything else. I'd like to think we get a new build of Windows 10. I have not heard anything personally. That doesn't mean it won't happen, but I haven't heard anyone say, hey, a new build is coming. But when one does, it'll be the first build out of Redstone. So, all right, everybody. 
not to keep to drag this thing every drag this thing any further. It's been a half hour. I hope everybody has had a wonderful holiday. I hope everybody has a great weekend. It's uh, entering the festive time of the year with music all abound. And I thanks everyone for watching. Any comments, feedback, let me know. And thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one.